This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact Podcast. I'm Justin Ponder, Chief Information Officer with Uplifting Impact, and I'm excited to be hosting you today as we dive deeper into our journey to make the world more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Girish Gunnison. Girish Gunnison is a strategic leader and creative thinker with a passion for innovation and improving organizational performance. In his current role as Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion, he is responsible for overseeing development and implementation of all DI strategies, tactics, and programs to position TD Bank Group as an inclusive place of work and bank of choice for the customers, colleagues, and communities they serve. Yerish has worked in North America and Asia with exposure to over 50 jurisdictions across North America, Asia, and Europe. During his career, he has led both generalist, and specialist human resources functions in the financial services, high technology, retail, and consulting fields. Prior to Manulife, Girish worked for other well-known multinationals, including Accenture, Primus Telecommunications, and Gap Inc. Girish was born in New Delhi and educated in Canada and India. Girish has an honors degree in political science and economics and postgraduate education in human resources management, he holds the Canadian Certified Human Resources Leader designation and served as a director on the HR Professional Associations Board. He is known leader among diverse communities, mentoring newcomers, internationally trained professionals, and LGBTQ2 community members. Yerish Gennison, welcome to our show. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's all my pleasure. So, before we get into the more specific conversation, the more specific questions, we have a question we'd like to ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what brings you joy? You know, I have to say that was probably the most difficult question uh, that uh, was posed to me in preparation for uh, this podcast, Justin, because there's so many things that bring me joy. But, you know, if I was to filter it down to a single item, or maybe two, I'll, I'll cheat a bit, uh, maybe two. <laughs> Fantastic. Firstly, it has to be spending time with what I call my nuclear family. That includes my partner, who I've been with as of this year, 22 years. Wow. And um, our uh, puppy, who's going to be a year on August 16th. Um, he's a beagle. His name is Yogi. And, you know, I could have a stressful day. And I just have to look at him and I forget everything. So clearly he brings a lot of joy uh, to me and, and my partner and our nuclear family. But, you know, in general, I love traveling. And I think a lot of that has to do with just my upbringing. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in India and then have had the pleasure of living and working in different countries uh, I kind of just lose myself. I find that I find my soul by immersing myself in different cultures, trying different food, traveling across the world. And 
one of my sort of experiences around that, uh, I have to say, which resulted in a lot of personal growth for me and, and further attested to the fact and how much I love to travel is I had I had a pleasure with uh, my previous organization to do a stint in Singapore, which took me to over 20 countries across Asia. And it was just blissful. Mm, sounds like it. And I guess maybe a follow-up question is, do you see that travel as being foundational and important for your DEI work? Absolutely. Um, it's not a must because... You know, not everybody is into traveling or, uh, you know, would necessarily prioritize traveling uh, as their leisure activity as much as I do. But has it contributed to who am I today? And is has it contributed to my success uh, as a DEI professional? Absolutely. Uh, because it has to, you know, it goes back to having lived experiences. So there's one thing about obviously going and experiencing a country another continent, their food and culture for a visit. But when you live in different countries, it truly immerses you in how diverse this world is. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is much more than beyond how we describe it you know, from a regulatory standpoint uh, or from what we are, we are known to describe it, particularly with the North American lens, which is around gender, race and ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, you know, veteran status, etc. cetera. Uh, there's diversity of thought, there's diversity of food, there's diversity of language, there's diversity of culture. Mm. So the more you travel across the world, it just opens up your mind on how large this landscape is. And, and I think it's just made my thinking very agile and just allowed me to give a lot of benefit of the doubt as a DEI professional in a variety of different situations and just reserve my judgment uh, yes. when I'm faced with situations that I may not necessarily be aware of and not quick to assume as to why somebody might be behaving a certain way. Right. So like that reservation of judgment, that's really important. And so for the next question, as global head of diversity and inclusion at TD Bank, what are some challenges and opportunities you've faced in the DEI space? So this reservation of judgment that you talked about that you learned through travel, how has that maybe helped you recognize these challenges and see some opportunities in your capacity now? Yeah, it's a, it's a loaded question because the list is long, particularly like, because of the times we are in. You know, many of the challenges we faced in 2020 or even this year as a result of the pandemic isolation from one another, economic downturn, racial inequity, et cetera. Uh, so much of it was out of our direct control. But I would say it's easy to feel frustrated towards what we are surrounded by and including safety, our mental well-being, freedom in our daily lives. But in some ways, I think it's helped us to appreciate and approach things in a whole new way as well. This is where I think if I was to connect this with either my travels or having lived in different countries, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, as human beings, we are forced to think about what's in it for me and what's happening around me. We think about ourselves first and then our families and our, our friends. But when you've, you've lived in different countries and you have family and friends in different countries, it almost forces you to realize that my situation is actually pretty good and I shouldn't be complaining about, you know, 
the little things that are bothering me as a result of even the pandemic, be it the fact that I still have to wear a mask if I'm in a public space or um, the fact that my favorite restaurant wasn't open, you know, where I would, would typically go or that I can't see my family that is nearby. When, you know, you realize you actually have extended family in India who had to go through a humanitarian crisis when the pandemic exploded in that right. country. Or the fact that there's political and social crisis in certain parts of the world, which is taking away lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it just opens up your mind and that you you think of humankind at a, on a much larger canvas than just your own individual situation. But, you know, in terms of challenges, if I was to bring this down to TD and in terms of challenges that we face in the DEI space is the whole new virtual approach, right? It required us to think very differently. We are a relationship-based organization and we had to pivot very quickly while maintaining that sense of connectedness and belonging to a virtual environment. And But we made sure that the principle of inclusion was top of mind for us as we thought about how would we onboard new employees to how would we secure jobs and right. make sure people have financial stability? Or, you know, how would our customers interact with us when majority of our banking happens through retail stores and they may not feel comfortable walking into our stores. So how do we make sure we have dedicated hours for vulnerable population? What do we need to do, you know, in order to still have volunteer, virtual volunteer opportunities for our employees? Because, because we still want to be in the business of community giving, given, you know, what's going on in the society. And more importantly, with some of the social crises that we had faced, be it the pandemic or anti-racism, be it for the Black community, the Indigenous community, the Asian community, so on and so forth, how would how can we have those difficult conversations and complex conversations when we can't even bring groups of people together and we had to do it virtually? Right. You know, at TD, we, we adapted our support structure. We made sure we continued to have DNI events virtually. We continued to make sure our colleagues interacted, collaborated, and eff- effectively conducted business in a remote setting. But like many other organizations, being able to talk about race and anti-racism, it required some uncomfortable conversations for us as well. And um, TD was no different in the sense that, yes, we've been on the DEI journey for over a decade, but human beings don't generally feel comfortable in a workplace to talk about race and anti-racism. They may talk about it within their close-knit circle. So how do we expand that conversation so that our colleagues felt comfortable being able to actively talk about it within their individual team settings uh, and also more broadly with their colleagues? So we were certainly faced with that challenge and we ensured that we had dedicated forums where we brought groups of employees together to be able to talk about those issues. And you know, the the challenge hasn't ended, right? There was right. one social crisis after another social crisis. Right. So you also have to be mindful of, particularly for DNI professionals like me and my, my peers in the industry, how do you also ensure that because of what's going on in the external landscape, that you also protect your colleagues from DNI fatigue? Right. Because there's, there's so many communications coming out and statements being made and commitments being made. Uh, it certainly puts a pressure on your organization, but also puts the pressure on your leaders to explain as to why we're doing this and the colleagues to be able to talk about it 
So, and that is a continued challenge. I don't think we have a we we have a magic wand to say how we're going to mitigate the DNI fatigue because it's a constant these days. But it is something that we are thinking through to make sure that while we have to sustain what we have done and continue to make sure that we meet our commitments, we also need to bring some joy to our own colleagues uh, mm. from a diversity and inclusion perspective because it can't always be about a crisis. Right. And what are some things that you found, some tips that you might recommend to our listeners to avoid that DEI fatigue, to infuse a little joy into the work for it to not be simply responding to the next crisis, but to be maybe proactive and something that focuses on the positives of inclusion as opposed to kind of redressing just the next crisis that's waiting to happen. What are some things that you've found have worked? Because I know many of our listeners are experiencing the same thing. Like, how do I keep people's motivation up? How do I keep the incentives going in my organization when we've had what some of my coworkers think is too much DEI? Yeah, um, a couple of things come to mind. One is, you know, truly synergizing your efforts across the organization where you can. And I say that because, you know, many organizations have different areas of focus and employee resource groups who do multiple events as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Could you synergize some of them so that your your colleagues can also make space to attend a few events versus hundreds and thousands of events that an organization might do depending upon the size of their workforce. Because that just creates more capacity within the organization to be able to absorb information that they would, that you would want to stick with your employees. And we are consciously looking at that as well. And we've done, especially through the pandemic, we couldn't have a lot of local events. So we said we're going to do global events and we're going to just open it up virtually so that we don't have all these local events happening. And now that, that seems to be becoming the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were so successful. We had high participation and high engagement. We were like, why weren't we doing this before? And we should be <laughs> forward with this strategy, even, even when we go into a hybrid environment where some of our employees might be back in the offices. The second one I would say is being authentic helps to mitigate fatigue. The reason I say that is, if you're just doing this because you're just responding to what's going on in the external landscape and it's a reactionary effort versus truly being authentic about what your organizational values are from a DEI perspective, the employees are going to feel more stressed out because they're going to start to see loopholes in your organizational initiatives. So making sure, A, you put out commitments that you're going to hold your leaders accountable for and see through those commitments making sure that you're truly listening to your employees and learning from that versus simply doing what your peer group might be doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because each organization has its own culture. Each organization has its own recipe. And just because your peer is putting out a commitment that may seem like is going to give them better brand in the market, that doesn't mean you just have to follow uh, you have to you have to create the right a la carte menu for yourself from a deep <laughs> perspective that is easily digestible and is going to be cherished by your own employees. That's fantastic. Uh, listening and learning is very important. So uh, just making sure that you know as you are implementing these diversity equity and inclusion initiatives, uh, you're truly hearing your voice of the employees as to what are they looking for in terms of the change. 
uh, versus simply going out and just you know dumping initiatives on them. Mm. And you mentioned about the global initiatives, the ways that you were able to have kind of successes that were made possible through the virtual world that we saw with social distancing measures and the pandemic that you hadn't experienced before and all these things that worked really well. What would you recommend to our audiences about the differences between international DEI and across different countries? Because so many people are focused just on the United States, but many people work in organizations that are international and global. What are some of the complexities that people should take into account when considering DEI initiatives across multiple countries? Yeah, it, it is complex, first of all, when you have a global footprint. So, you know, just making sure that First of all, there's acknowledgement that one size doesn't fit all. Right. Uh, you know, each continent has its own strengths and opportunities when it comes to DEI. There are advantages, first of all, of having a global footprint, because when you do have employees across different countries and continents, you, you have the level of diversity, then probably just an organization that is concentrated in the U.S., U.S. is very diverse to begin with, but imagine if your company is across the globe, you automatically have representation that you need because you have people from different cultures and ethnicity to begin with, right? So first of all, leveraging that to your advantage uh, in building your DEI strategy is very important because if you have presence in Asia, leveraging the leadership there to really understand, you know, what is important from a DEI perspective versus where the opportunities might be, because the issues as it relates to DEI in Asia are very different from North America, as an example. And that's just one of the examples, um, you know, you could compare and contrast with Europe or Africa uh, or Australia and New Zealand, you're going to find different issues. But if I was to just take as one example in Asia, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is largely about gender and mm. uh, even religion right um, and and a lot of times you know particularly if people don't have exposure to asia they treat it as you know one homogeneous continent but there's so many countries within asia with so many different variances by right. country that um that sometimes get forgotten like if you don't have exposure and experience on what it takes to deal with asia uh, but if I was to bring back to even North America, you know, Canada and U.S. sometimes get treated uh, one and the same, but they're so vastly different, right. uh, you know, as countries because, you know, they run differently. They have different demographics. Uh, there are some commonalities, but, you know, the focus on diversity and equity and inclusion while exists in both of these countries, but there are very different spectrums in their journey. Uh, so just recognizing those differences is where, you know, it all begins um, the other complexity I would say is when you are putting a DNI governance or strategy in place, making sure you're striking a balance between some consistent global principles, right? Which your DEI principles should really, at the end of the day, align with your values of your organization. And making sure those are consistent. You know, if you're standing up for certain communities, you're standing up for those communities across the globe. Hmm. Uh, because otherwise your employees are going to start feeling the differences in how you're implementing those values across your organization, regardless of who they are, because your values have to resonate regardless of whether I'm based out of Singapore 
or Philadelphia, because we want to make sure it's the values that bind all of our employees together. At TD, we say the culture of care, right? right. Um, and balancing that with local employee resource groups, because they're sort of your voice of reason. They're the, uh, they're the ears on the ground, and they will tell you what's going to work, what's not going to work. So mm-hmm. having, having a framework that allows for that balance between global consistency and localization is very important. All right. Well, thank you very much, Girish Gennison, for all your thoughtful and insightful ideas here that have really helped us out. So how can our listeners keep in touch with you? Yeah, please look me up on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn can be easily searched with my first and last name, Girish uh, Ganesan. Uh, I would be more than happy to connect with you. And uh, if you want to have specific discussions around what I've shared so far, uh, more than happy to get offline and share a bit more. All right. Well, thank you very much. And listeners, we will also make sure that we add that information into our notes. So once again, thank you very much, Girish Ganesan, for joining us. Thanks so much, Justin. It was a pleasure. We're so glad that you folks also tuned into this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact Podcast. We need more people to help us uplift the impact. In order to do so, be sure to share this episode, comment on it by going to our website at upliftingimpact.com, or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn at Uplifting Impact, looking for Justin Ponder and Deanna Singh. Until next week, keep uplifting the impact. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.